This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. But I'd like to thank Usher for setting this up and his family and the LeBlanc family. I saw Hadassah was on before. I want to thank them for always hosting me when I, um, when I come to England. And um, we're going to talk about the lost princess. So what, is that, what does that have to do with, um, with Lagba Omer, with Shavuos? Um, not going to really talk much about the virus. I think that's really been talked out a lot. Um, but we all have to focus on that. We know that everything Hashem does has a reason and a time. And this is happening at the same time that the 24,000 Talmudim of Rabbi Akiva died, um, went through a terrible plague. Um, ben al um, they didn't give respect to each other. So um, it happens to be at the same time. It's in the time of Sphira. A lot of bad things happen during Sphira. That's why we say Avarachamim um, by Davening and Musaf, even during Sphira, even if there's a Chassan, even if there's Chaydesh, there's a Bachlikus, but um, these are these are days of uh, of dread, so to say. So in Sphira, there are seven levels. When we say Sphira, at the end of um, every Yom, there's Chesed, there's one, and then there's Gevura, Tiferes, Netzach, Hoid, Yisoid, and Malchus. We're right now. We're right now in the week of. Yisoid, like Bo'emba comes out in Yisoid. Yisoid is the foundation. But the last, the last day, which is Ereshuis, is Malchus Shiba Malchus. Klaishul has to be on a level. We're getting married, Shuis Naita Kushborchu. So we have to be on a level of, of Malchus. Hashem is the Chasan. We are the Kala, we're the Queen. There's even in Kabbalah, there's a. Um, there is a kisuva that Hashem wrote to Klai Yisrael and a tanoim that Hashem wrote to Klai Yisrael. So it's like a real, it's a real wedding. And, and when we come to this wedding, Shuvah's night, we have to be on a level of Malchus Shiva Malchus. Now, it's interesting. So, so the, the first night, which is the second night of Pesach, the first night of Svira, we're at Chesed Shiva Chesed. So we see the foundation of being the princess, the foundation of being the queen, the foundation of being the Kal of Hashem. You have to start with Chesed, the foundation of Malchut Yisoyt, Tiferes, and Hoyd, and Netzach, and Gura, the foundation of everything. First day of Yom Echad is Chesed. You have a foundation of Chesed, and you can go all the way 49 days, work on yourself, and end up being the princess, being the queen, being the Kala, Machur, Shiba Machus. Now it's interesting that Shvuis, the Torah doesn't tell us what day of what month. Every holiday, right? Hashanah is the first day of Tishrei. Yom Kippur is the 10th day of Tishrei. Every Pesach, Sukkot, it all tells you what day of what month. Not Shvuis. Shavuos, we know what day it is because it says count Sheva Shavuos, seven weeks, 49 days from Pesach, and then you have Shavuos. So there is a, the Chacham and the Chazal say there is a connection between Pesach and Shavuos because the only way you know what day Shavuos is because it's seven weeks from Pesach. So there's a, sorry, so there's a connection between Pesach and Shavuos. There's no connection between Sukkot and Pesach and Pesach and, 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 and Purim and Hanukkah. They all have their days, the 25th day. Each one has its day. It's not connected to the other, to the other holiday. But Pesach and Shuas are connected. You only know when Shuas is because you know when Pesach is. So there's a very big connection. So I want to tell you a story. Um, some of you have heard it before. I talk about it. On Pesach, but to understand the shir today, you have to understand this story and the connection. So it says that on Pesach, Hakadosh Baruch Hu Hashem took us out 
he took us out in a in a moment. He took us out in a moment. A rush, all of a sudden, a moment. Chipazon means like, boom, like unprepared, in a rush. Let's go, get up, get out, we're out of here. Why? Why? Why Bechipazon? Why didn't he take us out slowly? Give us time. Let's pack all our suitcases. Like, I don't know if you've ever been on a Pesach program. People come with crazy amounts of suitcases and they UPS all types of boxes with stuff. So maybe that's why Hashem didn't give us time because until we cooked up all the food and got all our kids stuff together, we probably would have never gotten out of there. But on a serious note, it was it was a moment. So there's a, there's a very, um, very fascinating Medrash. And the Medrash says that because um, Baruch told the Malachim, he told the angels in the night of Pesach that he wants to go down into Mitzrayim and to take the Jews out. And the angels said to Hashem, listen, they are slaves. They are they're peasants. They're, they're on the 49th level of Tumah. If you're going to take out a nation, why don't you take out the Egyptians and make them your nation? Because they're both on the 49th level of Tumah and the Egyptians are the masters and the Jews are the slaves. Why take out the slaves? And Hashem said, I'm in love with this, with this nation. And that's who I want to take out. So the Malachim, the angel, said to Hashem, you're a Kohen, the Medrash says. Mitzrayim is full of Tumah. You shouldn't make yourself dirty and go down into You should not make yourself dirty and go down into Mitzrayim. We'll go into Mitzrayim. We'll take out the Jews. And we'll meet you in the desert. And Hashem said, Ani velo malach. Ani velo shliach. Ani velo saraf. You're not taking out my Jews. I am taking out my Jews. Because on the night of Pesach is the night that Hashem got engaged to us. Says the Zayah. And you don't send a shliach to the Kala to ask her if she'll marry you. You ask the Kala yourself, you ask the Kala yourself, will you marry me? Imagine a girl's going out with this boy and uh, all of a sudden there's a knock on the door and he says, hi, who are you? I'm Chaim. I don't know, I don't know any Chaim. Who are you? He goes, I'm Moishi's best friend. Okay, Moishi's the boy I'm going out with. How can I help you? And he gets down on one knee and says, will you marry him? She's not going to be happy with that. She is not going to say yes. If he wants to get married, let him come and ask me himself. Don't send me some guy to ask me this question. There's Baruch who said to the Malachim, I'm getting engaged to Klai Yisrael tonight. You're going to be the one to take him out? That's not going to work. I have to take them out. And the Medjur says, <coughs> Malachim didn't want this because they're the defenders of God, and they said that you're a Kayin, and Mitzrayim is Tameh, and you can't become Tameh. A Kayin can't go into a graveyard and become Tameh, so you can't go. So Hashem said, but there's a halacha, that if there's holy truma in a clay uh, vessel that's sealed, so the, the, the basic forest, the graveyard, doesn't make it Tameh. So the truma is in the graveyard, but it has to be taken out. So a Kohen goes, becomes Tameh, takes out the truma, and saves the truma. So I am willing to go and take Klai because Klai is in a, is, is Tahar, in a Tameh digger place. I'm going to make, I'm going to go and become Tameh to take them out. It's very Kabbalistic. It's amazing. But the Shekhinah, the Baruch willing to become Tameh to take Klai Yisrael out. So the Malachim said to Hashem, if you become Tameh, 
who's going to make you pure? Who's going to make you tahar? So, Rebbe says, Hashem said, I don't understand what this means. I don't understand what this means. But Hashem said, Aronat Kohen. Aronat Kohen will make me tahar. And Hashem went down into Mitzrayim and he took the Jews out. On the other side of the coin, when a, when a boy gets engaged to a girl, he brings a bracelet, something, a bracelet, a ring, a necklace, something. He says, will you marry me? She says, yes. He gives her the necklace. Because Baruch Hu said to Klai Yisrael, will you go with me into the desert? Where there's nothing, he didn't offer them Yushalayim. He didn't offer them the, the Torah at that point. He said, "Will you go with me into the desert, Yelachashuim, a place of thorns and sand?" So, listen, everyone who's listening in England, imagine, imagine a boy goes to a girl the night of their engagement. And he says to the girl, will you marry me? But you need to know, I don't have a house. I don't have money. We're probably going to live in the desert. We're a bunch of thorns and nothing. So if the girl's really, really in love with the boy, she'll say, I don't care. I don't need a house. I don't need water. I don't need food. All I need is you. Don't, boys who are listening, don't take that chance. I don't, I, I, I don't think that might work, though. You better not tell her you're going to live. You have no money. You have no house. You have no job. You're, not, you're, you're, you're going to live in the, in the sand dunes in the desert. I don't know how that's going to work. But Hashem said that to Klaistro. And on that night, the night of Pesach, we said, we love you so much. We don't care. We're going into the desert. Without, without nothing, with the, with the dough on our backs. We didn't even have food. No water, nothing. What a crazy moment in the relationship between God and Klai Yisrael. But that moment doesn't last. It's a moment. Now... Chosen and Kala, it's very nice. Will you marry me? I love you. All the, all the mushy stuff. But the next day, they got to make plans. We got to rent an apartment. We got to get furniture, drapes. Got to find an apartment. The wedding, what's the date? Who's the music? Um, we're doing the off roof. We're doing the Shara Brachos. Who's doing the Shara Brachos? We have seven different people. So it's that moment is like wow, but then after that you gotta get down, you gotta get down to business. And the relationship could get strained a little bit. This parents want this, these parents want that, and the two of them, the, the the between the engagement and the marriage, is sometimes very stressful. But that's when they get they begin their relationship to real their real relationship when it's not just fun and, and, and joy. Now I'm going to explain this to you in a in a story. A lost princess. I love this story, and I say this story every Pesach by my seder, including this year. So there was this this prince, and he in the old days they would marry a prince to a princess in order to take the prince's country and the princess's country and bring and bring them together. So that's how they used to, that's what they used to do. So this prince, whose parents had passed away, he was now becoming the king, and they wanted to make the country much bigger. So they read him a shidduch, a beautiful princess from another country, very big country, and he's going to pick her up and bring her back to his palace to marry her. And everyone in his country is very excited, very beautiful princess, everyone heard about her, very nice. So he gets into his coach, his royal coach, with his soldiers and his second in command is Viceroy sitting next to him and they're on their way to the land of the princess. And they're going through the woods 
and they come to a, a fork in the road and a tree had fallen. They're busy clearing the tree and the king, the prince is sitting in his beautiful coach. And all of a sudden from the ground where he's sitting next to, he's sitting by the window from the ground comes up a, a hand, a very dirty, filthy hand. And he hears a voice. Alms for the poor, please, sire, some charity, a couple of pennies. And he looks down and he sees in the mud and the filth next to his chariot, he sees a girl laying in the mud, mud from head to toe, filthy, ripped clothing, no shoes. Sire, sire, please. All I want is a couple of pennies. And he, he never saw this in his life. He's a young king in his kingdom. He tells his soldiers, get her up. Stand her up. And they stand her up. And he looks at this peasant, filthy, dirty, smelly girl. And he says, what happened to you? And she says, my parents died when I was very young and I don't have a home. I just live in the streets and this is my, my corner where I stand. And I was very tired. I didn't sleep last night. So I was laying down on the, in the mud and all I want is a couple of pennies, sir. He looks at her and he says, get into my coach. And the vice says, no, 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 sir, sir King. Uh, she's filthy. She's filthy. This is a very expensive coach. You can't. He says, I'm the king. Get into my coach. It's a very deep Kabbalistic story. So she gets into the coach. Filthy. Here is cake with mud. And he just stares at her. The king is just looking at her. And the vice priest sitting next to her is like, what is going on here? He's just looking at her and he says, turn the coach around, we're going home. And the vice said, well, 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 we, got, we got, the princess, the princess is waiting for us, we gotta go. Turn the coach around, this is my princess. What? Sir, I don't know what's going on in your head. This is not a, a romantic book. This is not some show. This is a, this, she, she can't be a, a, a queen of our country. They're waiting for us. What are you doing? Do as I say, I'm the king. Soldiers are like, he fell on his head. She's ugly. She's dirty. King's the king. They turn around. And they come back to the castle. And everyone in the castle is like, how could they be back so fast? He just left. And there's murmuring like, he brought home this filthy peasant. And he's making a galechta, a laughing stock out of the whole country. And he helps her down with her filthy hands. And he brings her into the castle and he tells his mother's maidens that used to take care of his mother. Listen to me carefully. I want her washed up, made up, want her hair done. I want you to put on my mother's prettiest gown. And at eight o'clock dinner, she better be in the dining room. And they all leave. And the vice says, listen, listen, sir, with all respect to you, you cannot do this. The country is going to rebel. You can still get rid of her. We'll build her a house. And a shower. We'll give her clothing. We'll give her money for the rest of her life. Please do not do this. He's like, I am the king. Okay? Comes 8 o'clock. He sits down. The viceroy sits down. Long table. You know, the king's table. And in walks this girl. And everybody takes a deep breath. They have never, ever seen such a beautiful person in their life. Yifas ma'er v'yifas toya. 
stunning. They, ne- they never saw anyone that looked like this. And the Vaishri says, no, 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 that's not her. Bring the girl that the king brought home today. And the maids say, no, this is her. We washed her up and everything, makeup and her hair, and this is her. And the place is like, wow. And they pull the chair out. She sits down. The vice returns to the king and says, how did you know that she's so beautiful? He said, I was able to look through the mud at her features. And I saw the most beautiful features I ever saw in my life. And the vice says, okay, I guess I was wrong. And they put the food on the table and they put the salad in front of her. But being that she was a peasant from the woods, she starts to eat with her hands. And she's so hungry because she hasn't eaten in so long. And she's stuffing her face and the food is all over her gown and her dress. <laughs> the vice is sitting next to the king and he's laughing a little bit. And he turns to the king and says, you see, she may look like a princess, but you can't take the peasant out of her. She's a peasant. She cannot be our queen. She doesn't know anything about royalty. And the king says, you're right. We're not going to get married for a year. And during that year, we're going to teach her English etiquette. English etiquette. We're going to teach her how to be in the royal family. We're going to teach her royalty. It took a year. They taught her ballet. They taught her piano. They taught her how to walk. They taught her how to talk. They taught her how to eat. And at the end of a year, she looked like a princess. She thought like a princess. And she acted like a princess. And they got married at this huge wedding. And never before or after was there a queen that was so sensitive to poor people. And she built them hospitals and schools and places to eat because she herself went through it. And Wallstein, that's what you're talking to us about in England. We're listening to a Shakespearean story. What, what is this? This is what happens on Pesach night. Kala Yisrael was on the 49th level of Tumah. Filthy, dirty, through and through. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to the Malachim, that's my princess. And the Malachim said, what? Abba Yisrael? 49th level of Tumah. This nation is filthy through and through. Like Baruch Hu said, I know. But I know what's going on inside. Their features, their spiritual features are perfect. But then... We left Mitzrayim, and on every corner, we complained. No food, got the mon. No meat, got the slow. No water, twice Moshe Abeno had to hit the rock. Everywhere we turned, we complained. And the Malachim said, yeah, you were right about the features, but a slave is a slave, and a peasant is a peasant. And... They may be a beautiful nation, but you can't take out. You can't take the slave out of the Jew. Very holy marshal. A very holy parable. Exactly. Exactly what happened on the night of Pesach. But Hashem said, and this is where we're going. You're right. We can't give them the Torah. I can't get married to them because the Torah was the Kedushin. I can't get married to them the way they are walking out of Mitzrayim because they're like her. 
They have no royalty. They have no etiquette. They have no idea what it means to be the wife of the king. But in 49 days, she'll be ready to get married. We'll teach them royalty. Chesed. Royalty. Givura. Royalty. Tiferes. Beauty. Netzach. Hoid, which we're in right now, like Baomer, is right in the middle of Hoid, which is a high level of beauty where like a face shines. Yisoid. They will have the foundation. And finally, Malchus Shibamalchus. They'll be ready on the night of Shavuos after collecting all these 49 different mixtures of royal royalty. They'll be ready to stand under the chuppah on the night of Shavuos. What is the foundation? What midos do we need to have in order to be married to the Shekhinah to HaKadosh Baruch Now, we read Rus on Shavuos. Now, it's very interesting. I remember as a kid, I almost got thrown out of class, but it was a good, I think it was a very good question. So the Rebbe said that we read Rus on Shavuos because Rus, Reish, Vav, Tav, Reish is 200, Vav is 6, Tav is 400, it's 606. Being that she was a guy, she has seven mitzvahs. So what she, when she became a Ger, Rus, she accepted 606 mitzvahs. Her name spells Rus 606. And therefore, we read Rus on Shavuos. So I raised my hand and I said, if her name was Miriam, and it didn't equal 606, you wouldn't read it. She was the father, she was the grandmother of Dovah, great-grandmother of Dovah, and Melech, and Mashiach, and Dovah, Melech was born on Shavuos. Like, just because her name was Ruth, that's why, but if it was 608, you wouldn't, you wouldn't read it? Or everybody's like, he thought I was being fresh. I wasn't trying to be fresh. I was really asking a question. And we also know that what, what happened, uh, Ruth was Mechabal, became a Jew, so she was Mechabal Hashem. So if you take Ruth, Reish Vav Tov, and you add a hey, so you mix the letters, it spells Torah. And we were Mechabal the Torah. Again, and if her name wasn't Ruth, we wouldn't be able to do all this. So there's a much deeper reason that we read Rus on the, the night of Shavuos, the day of Shavuos, actually. And what does it take to be the grandmother, great-grandmother of David HaMelech and the great-grandmother the great of Moshiach and for Boaz to be, again, the grandfather, great-grandfather of David and, and Moshiach? What, what does it take to be the parents? What midos does it take to be the parents of Melechai Vikayam? And we know that Rus was called Aim Hamalchus. She was the top, the pinnacle of royalty. And if we can get this, and we can get there, then we have the royalty that we need to be to be the beauty, the hode, which is this week, and the beauty to to be married to Akash on the night of Shuas. By the way, Lagba Omer is Hod Shibahod, which is the beauty of beauty of Shimon Bayechai. So let's spend a few minutes looking at what does it take to be the parent, grandparents of Moshiach and Hamalchus to be the mother of all royalty. Of all royalty, because David Melech Yisrael, Chaivikayim, it's forever. David Melech is forever. So listen very carefully. A couple of points. Number one, girls who are listening, you got to stick. What does it mean you got to stick? So, Naomi had two daughter-in-laws, Arpa and Rus. As you know, their husbands died. The children of Naomi died. 
Go back. Go back home. But first, on Pasach Ches, you look at Pasach Ches, she said, Go home to your, they were both princesses also. Hashem will do Chesed with you. And what happened? She kissed them. And both Arpa and Rus lifted their voices and they cried. Again, both, both Rus and both Rus and um, Arpa cried and kissed her. Didn't want to go. Again, she said in Pasuk Yud Aleph, why are you going with me? Go back. What happened? They both cried again. But! Arpa said, bye-bye. She gave her a kiss. A lot of kissing and hugging. But Rus, Rus stuck it out. Rus stuck it out. Sorry, hold on a second. My computer So Ruth stuck it out. Now, we do a lot of struggling in our lives. The difference between holding on and giving up, you all think it's just a little bit. I tried. Orpah said, I tried. I gave her a hug. I gave her a kiss. I said, I don't want to go. She talked me into it. I left. Ruth said, no. I know what's right, and I'm not leaving. Girls, you want to know the difference between holding on and letting go. Listen to this. I'll try to say it as nice as I can. Says Chazal, says the Medrash, that on the night that Orpa left her mother-in-law in the army, she slept, biblical terms, with a thousand men and a dog. That's how far she fell one night. And, and she became pregnant from that night. And you know who she gave birth to? Gullius, who got up who was part of the Plishtim, who got up and made fun of the Jews and God. That's what happened to Arpa, who stuck once but then let go. What happened to the one that stuck and didn't let go? She's the great-grandmother of the Melech David. And from her will come Mashiach. Mashiach on one side, Ruth, and a dog, Goliath, on the other side. And for one moment, they were both exactly in the same place. And one went this way, and one went that way, and you think, okay, big deal. Wow. When David met Goliath in the big war between Goliath, Goliath, the giant Goliath and David Amelech, all Goliath, all Goliath saw was a stick. He did the, the, the slingshot and the rocks he had in his jacket. He came with a stick. And Goliath, if you look in the, if you look in the Navi, Goliath says to David, you're making fun of me? What do you think I am, a dog? Says the Mephoshim, what kind of comic was that? Because everyone knew what Arpa did. So Goliath was saying to David, you, you, you're trying to show everyone that I came from a dog? He didn't come from a dog, but that my, my mother was with a dog? That's what the Mephoshim say. The difference between hanging on and letting go. So Rus, part of being a queen, 
kind of being the kawa of Hashem, Klai Yisrael, is never to let go no matter what you're going through. Imagine, by holding on to a human, Naomi, she became the great-grandmother Mushiach. Can you imagine what it means when you hold on to God and you don't let go? What you can become. And yes, it's very hard going through this situation right now where good people are dying and a virus. Terrible, terrible people losing their, their livelihoods. Very hard time. And there are those who are letting go. There are those who don't believe anymore. Now is the time for the vacas. Allah has come of the karma. If you hold on to God, what you could become. If just worth holding on to Naomi, what she became. It's a very important me not to let go. Never to let go. Even when it's hard. The next very important midah, we'll talk about on Boaz's side. Boaz comes from, he's coming to his field, and he comes to his field, and the first thing he says, and now that when this whole thing blows over and we go back to work, we have to change the way we talk to the people that work for us. What does Boaz say? Well, you're Boaz. Mommy, base lechem. He came from base lechem. My young lechem. He said to his workers, "Hashemi machem." He didn't say, "Were you on time today? Are you working hard enough? Let me see the product." He walked in. The first thing he said, "God should be with you." Really, if that's how you treat your workers, my young Hashem. They answered him back as workers. And God should bless you. And I tell Rabbi and I tell teachers, if that's how you would talk to your students, you'd have a different class. Imagine, I'm a teacher, I walk in, and the first thing I say is, why are you late? Put your jacket down. Why are you eating? Put the food away. Take out your books. Where's your homework? Right? We go through this all the time. Imagine a Rebbe walks into the room and says, God should be with you guys. And the class turns around and says, and you should be gebenched, Hashem. Or if when you leave your house in the morning, your wife would say to the husband, Hashem should be with you today, Chaim. And he turns around and says, Miriam, you should be your bench. Hashem should bench you. You'll have a different marriage. Or if you tell your children when they're leaving in the morning to, hey, wait, why are you wearing two different pairs of socks? Put that food away. Straighten out your tie. Right? Instead of saying to your kid when they're leaving, Hashem imachem. You should have a great day. God should be with you a whole day. And the kid turns around to his mother or father and says, you should be avenged. Oh, that's the mother and father. That's the father of Mashiach. You come into work in the morning and you tell your workers, Goyim, Jews, doesn't make a difference. God should be with you all today, guys. And they say, hey, boss, God should bless you. That was Boaz. So Boaz turns to his worker, his head worker, and he says, who's that girl? because she was acting, all the girls were bending over to pick up the leket, the wheat, and she was curtsying. So we saw that she had a very interesting, she was a very, very tznua, which was very hard to understand, because Moab was the least of tznuas in the world. So he said, he had, they had a very bad look at her. They didn't like her. In fact, it brings down in the Medrash that the first time she was in the field, they said, you're, a, you're not even a Jew, that she wasn't a Jew yet. And they threw her, they flipped her over the fence. They picked her up and flipped her over the fence, literally. And that's why later he tells Rus, no one will ever, my boys will never touch you again. So they asked, what do you mean? These guys weren't Shemini Gia? He says, no, because he, he found out that they flipped her over the fence. Imagine after 120 years, they come up to Shemaim, they're like, oh, you're the, one of the guys who flipped Amal Malchus over the fence because she was a guy and she wasn't allowed to have Lekha? Be careful how you treat people. You never know who they are. Anyway, so he, he was very nasty. This boy said, oh, you know who that is? That is the Nara Moavia. That's a lowlife from Moab. Hashavim Naomi Mistay Moab. She's the one who came with Naomi. You know, the two boys that died? She was married to that one of them. 
But Yom Boaz Arus, and I speak about this all the time, this is the father of Mashiach. But Yom Boaz Arus, Haloi Shemat Biti, I heard about you, my daughter. The Gadol Hadar of Chaim Kainesky, of Moshe Feinstein. The Gadol Hadar meets a girl, Moavi, and he says to her, how are you, my daughter? He called her his daughter. It's funny, when I first taught this, I said, he said, um, I heard about you, BT. And one of the girls said, oh, she was about Chuva? No, it's not a BT. It's BT, my daughter. Imagine a Godot meets this girl who looks like she's in pain and he says, what's going on with you, my daughter? How many of us teach girls? Do we call them our daughter? From here, my Rebbe said, we learn that every student that you have, you have to treat them like they're your own child or don't teach them at all. We learn that from Boaz. And he tells her, you don't have to, you don't have to go after anymore the way you're, you're going. And she says the following, beautiful. She falls to the floor and she says, why, why do you like me? Why am I matzachain in your eyes? And then she says something amazing. What does it mean that someone's matzachain in your eyes? The hockey rainy, that you're giving me recognition. The, the, the biggest good that you could do for someone is to give them recognition that there's something. So she says, How do I know? Recognition! Why are you calling me BT? This is like the most important discussion between two people that anyone can, it, it teaches you how to be a parent, it teaches you how to be a boss, it teaches you how to be a teacher, it teaches you what it means to be the mother and father of Mashiach and of David HaMelech. Vayam Boaz. And Boaz says, you want to know why I'm giving you recognition? You want to know why I'm calling you BT? Because he gidli, it was told to me. It was told to me that you're a balas chesed. Everything you did for your mother-in-law. And you left your father and mother, who were both the kings of Moab. And you left your land. You went through the Messiah of Avram Avinu. <laughs> and you went to a nation that hates you. You're a Moabi, they hate you. I see your pain. I see what you gave up. I see your sacrifice. And if someone sees someone else's pain and their sacrifice, then of course they're going to do good. Then of course you're like my daughter. Of course you're Matzachay. I know what you went through. Now when you see a kid in the street and a skirt short or whatever it is, and a drug addict, you're like, oh my gosh, what a shame for that whole family. Just the opposite. To give them recognition because you know they were going through pain and they're going through hardship. They'd be a Boaz and you're no girl Hadar. You're not the head of the door, you're not a shaifate. You were the shaifate. And he called her BT. Yishalom Hashem he said, Hashem, Hashem can pay you back. I can't pay you back. But Hashem can pay you back. You came to be under his wing. So she tells him, Wow, you recognize my pain? So you see that she was in a lot of pain. My master, you have consoled me. You spoke to my heart. You didn't give me a share on frumkite. You didn't speak to my head. You didn't speak to my intelligence. When you call someone your daughter and she's not your daughter, you spoke to my heart, she says. And she makes him a promise. She says, when a person gives another person that much care and kindness and sees the other person's pain, she makes him a promise. And she says, when I will not be like another girl. I will make you proud of me. I will become 
aim hamalchus, even though I'm a moavia. Wow. That's all Hashem wants. Hashem wants that his kalaf, us, the Jewish nation, should be a Rus. Rus plus a hey of Hashem's name spells Tyra. That's the whole Tyra. And to realize that Akash Baruch Hu, to tell Hashem, we will not be like any other nation in the world. Because you see our pain. And what does it say in Pirkei Avos? Chiba, Chib Yisera, Banim Atem Hashem. Akash Baruch Hu calls all of us, his children, Biti, Benchali. And in turn, we need to say, I won't be, we won't be like any other nation. We will make you proud. I want to end again. She's told to go up when Boaz, the Gadol Hadar, is sleeping, and to uncover his feet and to lay there. Gadol Hadar is sleeping, and the Ami says, "I want you to go." Her mother-in-law says, "I want you to go." while he's sleeping alone in the silo and uncover his legs. Now you need to know that Rus was an unbelievable tznua. And all the Jewish people were saying, it's a fake. She's a fake, that she's curtsying. The whole thing's a fake. She's a Mo'ovia. Mo'ovia has killed 24,000 men because they were so immoral. So no one in the Jewish nation believed through baloney. Ah, it's bluff. It's bluff. Now her mother was telling her to go at night, put on makeup, go at night and lay yourself down by the legs of the Gadol Hadar. What she should have told her mother-in-law is if I do that and someone sees me, because women didn't walk in the middle of the night, only women that walked at night were women of ill repute. If someone catches me walking, you're going to say, ha ha, we know it, she's a faker, she's a Moavia. And she was willing to sacrifice everything because she knew that she could get caught. And who knows what Boaz is going to say? Some girl climbed into his bedroom and uncovered his feet. He's going to call her, you're, you're the lowest, get out of here. And what did Naomi want Rus to do? She wanted her to marry Boaz because of Yibam. Whoever's listening, she was willing to give up who she was because if she gets caught or Boaz reacts, she's finished. She was willing to give this all up, everybody, for her mother-in-law when there is no din of Yibam by a guy. When she was married to Naomi's son, she was a guy. There's no halacha of Yibam by a guy. When Naomi felt that she lost her son, and if Rus would marry the closest relative and have a child, it's like her son had a child. It was just in her head. Halachically, she was totally wrong. And Rus was willing to sacrifice everything she stood for, for her mother-in-law, even though there was no such halacha. Chesed, Shibbe Chesed, leads to Malchus Shibbe Malchus. Pure Chesed. It was pure Chesed. There was no halach of Yibam. Where does that take a person? Seven weeks later, 49 days later, you're no longer a peasant. You are the princess. You are the queen. You are no longer the lost princess. You are the found princess. And what happens? So she goes at night. Now everyone hears what I just said. When did HaKadosh Baruch Hu come into Mitzrayim to take Klai Yisrael out? When did he say, Seven weeks before they got engaged in the middle of the night. And seven weeks later, and Boaz began to shiver, to shake. 
And behold, there was a woman laying by his feet. He didn't react. He didn't curse her out. He didn't call her names. Rashi says he was scared it was a shin dalid because he didn't believe that a human being would come to the girl and a girl, no matter how low she is, and lay herself down at his feet. So he thought it's from the other side. It's a shin dalid. Could you be the Yibum? Could you be the Goyal? And the great grandfather of David HaMelech said, Brucha at Hashem, Biti. You should be gebenched, my daughter. This is a crazy chesed you just did because you're very young and I'm very old. You could have married a young boy. and You're doing this just for your mother-in-law and you're not even chayev yibam. And the last midah, which I have to, Rabbi Wallstein has to work on a lot. When she comes home to Naomi, what does it mean to be a gadol? What does it mean to be the grandfather of Dawud HaMelech or Mashiach? She comes home to Naomi, she tells her the whole story. And she says, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if he's going to marry me. He's going to Besden. I don't know what's going to happen. And she says the following. Rest, my daughter. Also called a BT. Until we know what's going to happen. You ready? I know Boaz. He will not rest until the deed is done today. He does not procrastinate. He does not push things over. I'll call the girl back tomorrow. I'll take care of this next week. I'll call you later. I'll answer the beep on my phone. No. The Mida of Malchus is he will not rest until the deed is done. Bekachaya, he did not rest. The Mida I have to work on not to push things off, but that's Malchus. Malchus the Melech Takes care of the problem right then and there. Sneers, chesed, taking care of things that you're supposed to, holding on, dafka boy, holding on, not letting go, not letting suffolk. I'm not sure what's going on. What's going on over here? No, no, that's that's Amalek. May we all be zaycha. Thank you, everyone, for listening. May we all be zaycha. To all seven, Chesed, Yisoyed, Hoyd, Tiferes, Netzach, Malchus. We still have some time to get rid of our peasant ways so that on Shavuot we stand before Hashem, not as a lost princess, but as a princess that was once again found. May we walk to the Chuppah in Yerushalayim the Beis HaMikdash. And may we renew our vows to Kosh Baruch Hu. We always like to see Mashiach ben David. Malchus Sheba Malchus. Bimheira Amen. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.